Welcome to K-Drama School. Hello, hello my K-Drama School fans. You guys, I had a pretty fun week. Um, it was my birthday on Tuesday. Thank you. And it was a rainy day. So I had to cancel my s'mores um, fire pit party. And um, what did I do? Oh, I, I saw two movies in theaters. And I cover both of them on my Patreon. So if you are a Patreon member and you support me financially there, then you uh, get to hear all of my movie coverages. So go and support me on Patreon if you are not doing that currently. And I saw these two movies. Uh, I was with my friend and it was rainy, but I had fish tacos and I had french fries and it was a decent day. Yeah, it was not a bad day. And then uh, I moved my birthday event to Friday and um, had my fire pit s'mores party. Alas, I had written the incorrect address on all of my birthday party flyers. And I was like, why isn't anybody showing up? And turns out, like, I wrote the wrong fucking address. But the people who did care enough to ask, um, they got the right address. They got the correct address and they showed up. And I was very, very grateful to them. I was like, oh, my God, thank you so much for showing up. Despite my enormous boo-boo. I mean, talk about clown fail moment, you know, like I'm sitting there sulking like, oh, my God, like I have no friends, blah, blah, blah. And then. People want to show up. They are showing up. It's just I wrote the incorrect address on my own birthday flyer. And I tell you, like, dyslexia is real. You know, I have like a very mild form of it. This time I mixed up five and two. Yeah, I mix up the numbers five and two because they look similar. Just like I mix up the numbers three and eight just because they look similar. What can I say? What can I tell you? It's just it's how it goes. That's how my brain works sometimes. So, um... Anyway, the s'mores were really great, and I had, you know, some nice social time with friends. Um, one of my stand-up comedian friends showed up. She's so funny. It was great having her. And, you know, there were a couple of Russians there, um, and they were not talking about happy stuff. They were talking about, like, dead people, um, dead activists, and things like that. I was like, hey, can you, like, um, please change the fucking subject, you know? Because, like, I don't want to sit by this beautiful fire eating marshmallows listening to you talk about dead people, like what the fuck and then they had a bunch of beers and then they become they became happier there was also like a bunny rabbit there the bunny rabbit's name is freddy but i kept calling him frankie all night and it didn't matter like the rabbit doesn't know what his fucking name is and um i picked a bunch of dandelions from the uh, yard and i fed it to him and that was fun like i i ran away to do that while the russians were going off about dead people and activists um, so that's how I found my joy. And you know what? Like it was a great birthday. I, I had a great time. I found a dollar in the uh, yard. Uh huh. Like right there on the grass, there was a dollar bill. So I pocketed that money. And then as I was driving home, I saw a guy who was, you know, standing on the street corner with no home. So I gave him the dollar and that was my evening. And it was terrific. Um, my friend Teruko came and she gave me roses, which I loved. And uh, yeah, it was it was a great time. So thank you. Thank you for um, a great time. I also got to do my clown show, you guys. I, I've been taking a clown class for... This is my second clown class ever in my life. 
and it's it's taken six weeks of clown training and then um yesterday was the show my first ever clown show and it was great it went well you know it's interesting how time flies when i'm doing clown like i mean time flies also when i'm doing stand-up but like when i do clown i have no sense of time because i don't do like a prepared set i just do like whatever so that's going to be a new and interesting way for me to like gauge time, you know, by doing this clown work. Because like a lot of it is like on the spot, just games show up in the moment and there's no way for me to predict that. Whereas like when I'm doing stand up, I have a set that I've rehearsed and practiced millions of times. So I know exactly how much time each set takes or each bit is going to last. So, you know, things like that. Um re re how do i say re um acquainting myself with time and art mm. and this is a very relevant theme to the show i'm going to be covering today which is mental coach chegai mental coach chegai which is uh it came out like a couple of years ago actually i'm covering this a little bit late and um i guess the reason why i didn't cover it is cuz it's not on netflix and i mostly watch my dramas on netflix but Every once in a while, like I'll go hunting for other ones, like on other platforms. And this one is a show written by Kim Bandi, who has written shows like Special Labor Inspector Mr. Chul and Angry Mom. And I don't know either of these shows. And this writer seems relatively new; like they've been working since like uh twenty eight, twenty eighteen, twenty fifteen, something like that. Like they they've only done like two other shows prior to this. But uh, mental coach Chega, I checked out because I'm a fan of the actor Cheung Woo. Mm-hmm. Cheung Woo, you all know Cheung Woo. He was in uh, Reply 1994. He's also in what is it? Um, Modern Family or like familiar? He's in he's in that really violent um, K drama on Netflix about like family. It's like drugs and violence and murder it's crazy um and it's not a good show so anyway he, like, he's in that and um i i really love chung woo because i think he's like you know one of these like actor actor types you know he's like he's like um he's like a leonardo dicaprio he's like a um you know what's his face yuayin yeah you know these types that are like born to be an actor like that's what chung woo is to me and I think he's a fantastically committed performer. Um, I don't think he has much range, to be honest. I think he kind of plays like the same type. Like, it's like a typecast or something. Like, he always plays somebody who has some bit of authority, but also a little bit of madness at the same time. You know, like like um, like one of these like tortured geniuses. Except he doesn't show the, show the tortured part. He shows like this comedic comedically mad part you know like hysteria yeah that's what he does and and yeah like maintains like like high status mm, maintains some kind of authority and that's what that's what he does again in mental coach chegai but it's like he becomes a mental coach because he has a past history so um chongu is playing a former taekwondo athlete named chegai and Chegai used to be a Taekwondo athlete, but he suffered a ma major injury and then a mental breakdown and had a bunch of suicide attempts, which all failed. And then he eventually recovered and became a life coach and then became a mental coach, you know, 
Um, they call them like sports psychologists. So he's more or less that, except I don't think he has a psychology degree. And he becomes this mental coach for athletes who are training to become, you know, Olympic athletes or national athletes. And um, the actress who plays the uh, the opposite, right, the leading lady is um, her name's Kaul, but the actress is Yumi, Yumi. And we've all seen Yumi in Squid Game. That's right. She was in Squid Game. She was also in that. What is this? Strong Girl, Pung Soon. It's not Pung Soon. Strong Girl, different one. The the new one that's on Netflix. The one that um, was not holding my attention at all. Uh, anyway, she's a she's a very talented actress. I think um, I, she's like a, a budding star. Well, not a budding star. I mean, she was on Squid Game, so she's already like huge. But um, yeah, like she's still kind of coming into her own. I think she's still figuring out like what her what her deal is you know because she's she's tried the bad girl thing she's tried like the the sweet naive girl thing and then now she in this one she's doing like this intense like really driven type and i i felt like oh this girl has edge and this suits her so i really liked um this one because it was like a fine balance between like the edgy like strong-headed stubbornness and then like oh what's the deeper trauma that you're repressing and then where's the sweetness below that so i thought she had like a good cohesive balance in her role here and um yeah so Chegai uh coaches Kaul, and um there are a couple of things that i loved about this show number one Chegai is teaching how to stand up and speak up like voice her truth and to own it rather than compromise her truth and herself for the sake of her parents you know or her brother like there's all this pressure on her to like succeed and be somebody because her family is sacrificing all of their finances and their dignity for her sake and she's just like this is too much pressure right so there's that but then it's like the coach is like, if you got something going on, if you're unhappy or, you know, if something happened to you, you got to speak up. You cannot hide these things because that's hiding from yourself. You can't be ashamed of these things because this is all part of you. So I really loved that message. Like anytime any show or movie or media is like encouraging a young woman to speak up and voice her truth. I'm like, OK, I'm with you right there. Like right there. I'm with you. Because to be honest with you, even though this is like you you could argue that this is like a hack message, it's actually not because there's not enough media that makes it this fucking clear. Like, oh, somebody hit you. Speak up. Oh, somebody assaulted you. Speak up. Oh, somebody attempted to rape you. Speak up. Like, don't be ashamed. Don't hide. Don't act as if you don't deserve to voice your truth because of the sake of other people. Like that needs to be spelt out again and again and again for, you know, every single generation. And even within that generation, there are gaps and, you know, some people miss things. you got to say it over and over and over again because girls and young women and older women, all women, they all need to hear it over and over and over again, but especially girls and young women. So that part I loved. And then the other part that I was like, oh, this show has like another layer to it, like in terms of its moral speak or whatever. But 
I wouldn't say this is like moral speak. It's more like it's almost on like a spiritual plane. And what what I mean by that is um, there's a moment when Kaeu, so she's like a this like short track speed skater, right? She's um going through a slump phase. Like she can't skate and she can't like hit the milestones that she used to hit. And, you know, her coach is being abusive and like the the team is like, you know, treating her like a pariah. And um at some point, like through Coach Tekai's nurturing, she um says to him, I want to skate for the love of skating because I enjoy it for the joy of skating. Like she's like found that love for what she initially started out, you know, loving, which became a nightmare. But like initially she started out skating because she loved it. So she returns to that love. And she says, I want to do it for the love of it. And for an athlete to say that, that's a big moment. Because what do athletes do? Like, especially if you're training for the Olympics, what do you do? You got milestones. You're like, I need to hit this goal and this goal and this goal. And that's all they do. They just rush toward those goals. They don't see anything else. So what is it? It's just anxiety. You're looking at the future, right? You're looking at the future and you're like, can I do this? I need to do this. I must do this. Oh, what if I fail? Da 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 da. That's all future talk. But she's saying, I want to skate for the love and joy of skating. What is that? That's present talk. That's mindfulness talk. That's mindfulness meditation. That is skating as mindfulness meditation. And I was like, I love that, you know, because like this show to me had more or less the same message as all the other shows that we've seen so far. Like it, it was in a crash course in romance. It was in sky castle, right? Like, Oh, this overachieve the, the critique of overachievement is like embedded in all of those texts. And this one is no different except it's not academia. It's sports. Mm -hmm. But it's like the same deal. Are you going to keep rushing towards milestones and miss all the gaps in between? Or are you going to pay attention to the present moment? Find the joy, find the fun, find the play and the love right here in the present moment. Like, what are you going to do? And um, that, again, is like not something I can't, I can, you know, that's not something that I think is like a hack thing either. It's like, no, I can't get enough of that shit. Keep saying it. I need to hear it over and over again. I need, I need that reminder constantly, you know, and I'm somebody who fucking listens to Ram Dass and Alan Watts and Tara Brock. You know what I'm saying? Like I listen to that shit all day, every day, and I still can't get enough because the reminder is just so necessary all the time. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's the present. <laughs> right because you know i get caught up in my past like oh what the fuck and then i think about the future i'm like ah and then i'm like but what about the present now because the present now as all these mindfulness meditation teachers say the present moment is timeless there is no time when you're thinking about the present there's only the present isn't that a trip isn't that wild isn't that a gift i love that so this show for me had like some Really wonderful messages that I really, really cherish. However, I do feel conflicted about the uh, romance that buds between the coach and this athlete. All right. First of all, there's this um, there's the ethical boundary that's being crossed. OK, he's her mental coach. All right. I mean, towards the end, it's not the case. Like they 
they have those boundaries now. Like he quit as the mental coach and she's just an athlete now. So there's that. Okay, fine, fine, fine. But nonetheless, there's that history. And um, during, like while he was coaching her, she did develop feelings for him. And she did say like, oh, I love you. You know, and he like set his boundaries. He's like, no, girl, like you can't be like that. But still, <laughs> the fact that they, they end up dating, that, that they end up in this romantic relationship later. I don't know. That bothered me a little bit. I'm like, was that necessary? I think in a lot of ways, it would have been far more modern and progressive if that did not end up being the case. You know, if she ended up falling in love with some guy her own age, <laughs> it's only more appropriate. And if, if he did the same. But then again, if I go back to like thinking about, but what is love? Like what makes love love? Isn't love like indefinable in some sense? You know, like, isn't love the element that makes you cross all of those boundaries? It makes all the boundaries collapse. Isn't that what love is, essentially? So if I think in terms of that, again, that I'm like, oh, I'm not so sure. See, I'm not so sure. Mm. So this this show did a lot of, um, I don't know, mental mental stretching for me in some ways. Yeah. In other ways, I was just like, oh, this is more or less the same thing. I would categorize this show in the... Um, in that category of like slow culture movement, I want to call it slow culture movement. It's something, it's like a kind of narrative I see cropping up in K-dramas more and more in recent years. All right. Like the anti-overachievement narrative, the anti-overachievement ideal. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing. And I saw that in hometown cha-cha-cha, saw that in summer strike Right. Like these people who are capable, capable, they have degrees, they have, you know, um, professional jobs like, you know, the Samdali show. That's also a slow culture movement type of show. Like the girl was like this pro photographer, you know, had some terrible, you know, shit go down and she moves to the boonies and lives this slow life. So there's like a romanticization of slow culture that I see happening in K-dramas in very recent years. And it's coming up more and more often. Yeah. And it's like happening in, in a diverse range. And they're all more or less starting out of like webtoons or web series. That's another trend I'm seeing. So very interesting stuff. Um, this is something I, I don't know. I could probably write a paper about this. Mm. So I'm thinking of doing that. But in any case... Um, yeah. Mental coach Chegai. Something to check out if you want to see good performances. <laughs> and like I felt like the direction was interesting too. Very like um clown-like, you know, comedic, but in like a goofy, slapsticky way. Yeah. So, in any case, it's an interesting show. Something to check out. And folks, oh my gosh, if you have not pre-ordered my book, right? K-Drama School, a pop culture inquiry into why we love Korean television. If you have not pre-ordered this book and you listen to my my podcast, like, hey man, what the fuck? All right. You could get 20% off by using the promo code KDRAMA20 at checkout at the HachetteBookGroup.com webpage. And you could find that link on my website, KDRAMASchool.com or GraceJungComedy.com. So check them out. And thank you for listening. Thank you for being great. Thank you for being wonderful. Take care, and I'll see you next week.